and welcome to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation, a show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. If you are still buried under three feet of snow, this may come a bit early, but for most people in this country and many other countries that are listening, it's that time, the time to think about spring cleaning. There's a personal spring cleaning, perhaps a juice fast in the beginning of the year to help the body recover from celebrations and heavier foods during the winter months. And then there's the spring cleaning for your home, kicking the stagnation and winter dust out of the house and getting ready to letting in the fresh new sound of spring. And that is our topic today, natural spring cleaning, planning for a healthy year at home. In this hour, we are highlighting the best, easiest, and most inexpensive ways to freshen up your living space with an expert on the topic of non-toxic cleaning. Natural spring cleaning, planning for a healthy year at home, our topic today. That's what's coming up here on An Organic Conversation, and we are your hosts, Helga Helberg. And Sita Rani Palomar. I'm psyched about today's show because we have Amy Kolb Noyes back. She did a non-toxic cleaning show with us a couple of years ago, which has been a fan favorite, downloaded and re-listened to many, 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 many times, which revolutionized the way and the products that, that I have in my house. So... Oh, very excited to look at spring cleaning particularly. <laughs> but before we dive into that, let's talk about our week's review. We were the other day checking out the Twitter feeds of some of our favorite eco-minded organizations. Which is kind of the direct impact of non-toxic cleaning or a non-toxic life. What? The return of wildlife. Go oh, ahead, go ahead. Way to steal the thunder. <laughs> no, we came across an update from Tree Hugger that was a gorgeous photo and a caption that said the Sierra Nevada red fox was seen in Yosemite for the first time in 100 years. The photo itself was stunning because it's this beautiful, delicate, striking red fox running over white. just blankets of white <laughs> snow. But the fact that it hasn't been there for a hundred years, really, like, I stopped my breath. And they were able to capture the, the fox on two occasions um, because of motion-activated cameras. But this is so exciting, not just because you get to see pictures of an animal that you very, very, very rarely, if ever, see in person. But it also, just like you said, Helga, it's encouraging when you learn that an endangered species has returned to its native habitat. Yeah, and, and that picture is really stunning. It's the purest white snow, and then there's this red little dot trotting <laughs> over the prairie of, of the winter wonderland in Yosemite. It's amazing. It has not been seen inside the park's boundaries since 1916, which is, <laughs> that's just incredible. If you if you now know, you know, with high-end cameras, we can zoom into the moon and we can see, you know, the, 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 the brand of what people are consuming from space. And yet there's this, these pockets of nature where this the Sierra Nevada red fox had not been seen and now has been. Well, it's incredible. This is a this is a topic we've talked about before, which is about animals that return when their land has been properly cared for. I know Helga, in particular, working here in Marin County with a lot of farmers who are farming organically and and farming biodynamically and really being great stewards of the land. That um, Star Route Farms, in particular, which is internationally known, um, they have seen how many species return endangered species return to their land because of their organic farming practices? I think practices? Eight, eight or nine or so, yeah. Mm -hmm. Red-legged frog, the uh, cougar, uh, owl species, um, just uh, the coho salmon, of course, steelhead trout, animals on the endangered species list in part have returned to organic farms because those farms were able to create that biosphere just like the Sierra Nevada red fox on the endangered species list almost extinct. I think there are only 50 known foxes still in the wild. It's that endangered. Wow. And um, trapping was banned in, in 74. It was highly prized for its amazingly vibrant coat and fur. And, you know, now having it come to Yosemite, it's a little bit of hope and rebounding of a species literally at the brink of extinction. But if we can create those environmental pockets, nature finds itself to, to you know, re rehabitat 
those areas. Nature finds a way. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We encourage you to find the photo. I think you can get it on Tree Hugger's site. You can also get it on National National Geographic site. Yeah, if you just go to National Geographic and and look up Sierra Nevada Red Fox, you'll find it right away. Beautiful. What a news piece to celebrate. And they're such gorgeous animals. One thing, I'm curious if you know the answer to this, Helga. Are foxes Feline or canine? Yeah, you're listening to an organic <laughs> conversation. I am Helge Helberg. I'm Sita Ronnie Palomar. It's the endless question, and even if you know the answer, many people disagree. It's like it's it's an, it's an ongoing. Technically, fight. Oh, yeah. yeah, technically they're canine <laughs> species, but if you see them move, we saw a gray fox once in our in our neighborhood, and when he was startled, he literally jumped in the air, did a 180 degree turn, and ran the other direction. They move like cats, yeah, but a, they're really straddling that line of canine. And I think feline. it's it's a it's lack of our imagination. I think it's a K line or feline. I like it. Let's just do a hybrid. I like there. it. <laughs> You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And our topic is natural spring cleaning. Health, health, health. Planning for a healthy year at home in this case with an amazing guest. But before we dive into that topic fully, as always, here is the dive into the world of health and beauty with our own Sita Rani Palomar, a.k.a. Chef Sita. Chef Sita and her holistic bite. Well, I've talked on this show before about the very few necessary oils that you need to have in your home, things that you can use both in your kitchen and your bath in order to live a healthy and beautiful life inside and out. It's a really small collection when you get down to it. But I want to update this topic because I have found a new obsession, almond oil. This has become virtually my only bath product. I basically keep one bottle of almond oil in my shower and I use it to wash my face, which actually you can do a lot of reading on the benefits of oil washing. Save that for another holistic bite. I also use it as a replacement for shave cream, which allows me to get a really super close shave and also moisturize my skin at the same time. I mix it with a little bit of sugar to make an exfoliating sugar scrub. It makes a great eye makeup remover. It's just a wonder product that is so multi-versatile. And it's also simplified my beauty routine and probably feng shuied my bathroom. So it's a really easy thing to make. I mean, it's an easy, easy thing to buy. But if you buy an organic almond oil and then add a little fragrance, you don't have to sacrifice that lovely, luxurious, aromatic experience of your bath products. I really like almond fragrance. Now, almond fragrance doesn't exist in an essential oil form. So if you want the almond fragrance, you have to find a good supplier of the simplest and cleanest fragrance oils that you can get. And that will minimize any adverse reaction that you might have due to the chemical synthesis. But if you want to keep it even more au naturel, you can consider using essential oils like jasmine, which has a really exotic and even aphrodisiac quality to it. Vetiver, which shares those same qualities as jasmine, but it has a slightly more masculine scent. Lavender, eucalyptus, and chamomile are all great if you want something that smells fresh. Peppermint is wonderful if you live in a warm climate because it cools you down. Cinnamon is great if you live in a cold climate because it warms you up. But just think when you use essential oils, make sure to use them sparingly, dilute them sparingly in your organic almond oil because they're very concentrated and they can irritate your skin. So get yourself some organic almond oil, add some fragrance so that you've got a luxurious bath product, give your cabinet a makeover, and then indulge your skin without indulging your spending. And that's this week's Holistic Bite. Thank you, Sita. I love that suggestion. And what's coming to mind is when you do spend that 10 minutes to put something together that you really like, it is so much less expensive. Unbelievably this, this, less expensive. One of the show's goals is to help our listeners live a holistic and green lifestyle that actually saves them money. There's this notion that organic food is more expensive, and even that can be debated if you look at how much money we're spending on non-organic items out of our tax money. But even for the budget, we had shows on $5 meals for the week, uh, living off an organic diet, using your leftovers, your cuttings for soup stock, etc., um, having a container where you put leftovers in and at the end of the week in the freezer, you defrost it and you have a full meal for free. This is one of those areas where we spent a lot of money. Skincare products 
are really expensive. Well, skin care, hair care, body care, everything, all of it, it really adds up. And, you know, there care, have been care, times. Really. <laughs> care is expensive. Well, there have been times in my <laughs> life where I've enjoyed having a million different products because it feels really indulgent. But you know what else feels really indulgent? Understanding that one amazing organic product can be used for so many different things. And I'll tell you, if you've never washed your face with oil, I encourage you to read about it because the benefits are, are amazing. And I can really testify to that because I have sensitive skin. I've struggled with breakouts my entire life. My skin glows after it gets used to the oil washing and it's just so silky and smooth when you massage your face with almond oil in the shower. So well, try you it, try made it, try it. That is like making your own food. You know what's in it, so it's way cleaner. It's fresher because you just put it together. It's true. You, you go through it more quickly. And it's less expensive. Mm -hmm. So amazing. Thank you. That's Sita Marie Palomar, Chef Sita with her Holistic Bite, the weekly update of what's going on in the world of health and beauty. And we're health and beautifying the home today. Natural spring cleaning, planning for a healthy year at home. This is the time where most of us at least are thinking about spring cleaning now or soon for their natural home environments. And we have a wonderful guest who's really an expert on the non-toxic house cleaning front joining us today from Vermont. And all that is coming up in just a minute. Stay tuned. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helmer. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit Earl's Organic. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. Our topic today is planning for a healthy year at home. This is the time. Natural home spring cleaning. And with us now, we are very excited, is Amy Kolb-Neues, who has been on the show a couple years back as an expert on non-toxic house cleaning. She's also the author of Non-Toxic House Cleaning, that very book, Amy Kolb, K-O-L-B-Neues, N-O-Y-E-S.com, for more information on her and her background, who's joining us today from Lake Elmore, Vermont. Amy, are you with us? I am. So glad to be with you. Welcome back. <laughs> it's really great to have you. And um, Vermont, give us a, a minute update of mid-February now. How are things? Are you thinking of spring cleaning in Vermont already or are you still buried <laughs> I, in snow? I start thinking of spring in Vermont in um, <laughs> November. <laughs> But yes, um, I definitely am looking forward to some spring cleaning. We have a lot of snow and it is still very cold, but the days are getting longer and that's what turns the clock on for me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I can imagine. I said in my intro earlier that for many people in this country and definitely in other countries, this show is listened to really kind of throughout the world, I think in 20 or 30 other countries as well online, of course. Depending on the season that you are, you might be really thinking about it as in the next three weeks. But even if you're buried under snow, there's something about getting ready and making room for and preparing yourself Uh, and maybe even blocking a, in a March weekend or an April weekend already where you know for two, three days you will let in the new, the new fresh sound of spring. Um, let's start with that. Where, wherever you are exactly with spring cleaning in this time of year, it's not just a concept. What's the, what's the practice of spring cleaning really all about? Well, spring is all about renewal, right? And, and that's how I like to think of spring cleaning, like a clean start so to speak. It's about airing things out after a long winter, and it's also a great opportunity to do those deep cleaning jobs that 
you only do once a year or, or periodically, like washing all the windows in the house or flushing out the drains or cleaning the oven. <laughs> Big things like that. Yeah, it's interesting actually. In 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 many areas, Florida or California, where you have a climate that you know the the season really kind of blend into one another, and even though if you're a keen observer of nature, you can definitely see the changes. But there's not the melting of snow and the first mm. flowers popping their heads out of the soil, which I'm I was used to. Germany, where really, however harsh the winter, there was nothing growing, and then all of a sudden there were the first shoots of, of flowers and, and spring, you know, life coming and budding little pussy willows, and just you could just feel that life had returned. We don't have that in several parts of the country, and yet you are right, there are tasks that we don't really get to other than once a year, and I find that without the seasonal reminder, it's actually hard to remember when the last time you put all the furniture aside and really did a deep cleaning, and yet right. it's really important to do that once a year. Absolutely. It's so important for our well-being and, and I think for our happiness, too, just to have a nice, clean surrounding and, you know, like they say, to replace the batteries in your smoke detector once a year. Spring cleaning is sort of the cleaning version of that. Mm. Yeah, well, you alluded to some really exciting things already, because for me, I'm one of those people who gets it in concept, but doesn't get it in practice. And when you said, <laughs> wash the windows and clean the oven, I'm like, yeah, those aren't things that you do regularly. I wonder when was the last time I even did those. So right. let's look at this. Let's dive into some of the holistic ways that you freshen your home after this season of stagnation. Where do you begin? I like to begin with windows, because clean windows let more light in. Mm. And then that's really helpful in all the other cleaning jobs to come. <laughs> so um, I have a special uh, window cleaner that I only use once a year for the big window cleaning. And it, it really makes the windows crystal clear. And it works especially well on things like dog nose smudges or water spots that are on mirrors and windows behind the sinks. Yeah, lots now, of I have lots of those. Uh, yeah, you can you share share that recipe? Well, I wish you had told me last week because I, I literally did the windows and I did them in the sun, and that didn't go over well. They were yeah, I hard. worked so hard, <laughs> and there were still streaks, and they looked clean from the outside. And then I walked inside, and the sun was mirroring oh. the streaks. So, what do you what do you do? Well, to make this special cleaner, I add about a half a cup of warm water to about a quarter cup of cornstarch. And then I take a lint-free rag and I start applying that mixture right to the window. And as you might imagine, what you get looks like a smeary white mess, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then you need to switch to a dry part of your rag and keep on rubbing. And pretty soon your windows will just be polished to a clear and a brilliant shine. And so much more light will be coming in that you can really then see all the dust on any window treatment. Um, so my next step then is laundering the curtains and wiping down the blinds. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I'm furiously jotting notes while you're talking. This is really <laughs> exciting for me. And I remember when we had you on um, a couple years ago and we were just talking about non-toxic cleaning solutions for every day, for things you do on a regular basis, you had a really unique recipe for windows and mirrors that has like a little bit of dish soap in it that keeps the mirrors from fogging in your bathroom? Well, actually, those are two different things. Oh, okay. Um, to keep the mirrors from fogging in the bathroom, that's just a little bit of food-grade glycerin you rub on Oh, them. that's what it was. That's the, not to clean the outside windows. You wouldn't use that. No, uh, that is just a, a fun little trick for the bathroom mirror to keep it from fogging up. But... Um, Sita, you're right. If you mix up a window cleaner in a spray bottle of vinegar and water and add just a drop of water in that, that's going to help keep it from streaking if oh, you have right. used no any commercial cleaners on the windows previously. So this is a brilliant place to start. You start with the windows because it lets in enough light that you can then see how deep you need to clean your window treatments. You do your drapes and your blinds. Everything is coming in cleanly, and then you can turn yourself out to the rest of the house. And, and where do you go next? Where do I go next? Great question. I would say caring for the natural materials in my home, like unvarnished wood and leather, is my next priority for a big spring cleaning. Those things really need to be nourished with an oil so they don't dry out. 
and in, at my house, we heat with wood, and that's a very dry heat. And I have several pieces of wood furniture that my grandfather made, and I don't want them drying out and cracking. So I use an oil-based furniture polish. Now, this isn't what I use on it every time I clean. This is just a periodically or once a year spring cleaning that I do. It's more a wood treatment, right? And the same thing right? goes for leather furniture as well. I'm it's, sorry, Helge. Yeah, it's, it's more like a real treatment. You're actually treating them with moisture. That's exactly right. I use a two-step process. First, I clean, and then I polish. Hmm. So to clean natural wood, I would mix two parts olive oil and one part lemon juice in a spray bottle and give it a good shake to mix the ingredients, then spray that on a lint-free cloth and rub it into the wood and that will really clean the wood. It will take a little while for the oil to seep into the wood. So if you really need something that will dry more quickly, you can substitute food grade linseed oil for the olive oil. But that can be significantly more expensive and harder to find. And, you know, it's it's only once a year. So let's just plan ahead a little, right? <laughs> not, yeah, exactly. not have to have it dry so quickly. And then step two is polishing the wood. And nut oils are really great for that job. I'm partial to almond or walnut oil. Those also can be a little bit expensive, but you really don't need a lot of them. You just wipe the oil on with a clean cotton rag and then buff it out with a dry towel. And sometimes I like to add a few drops of vanilla extract to the oil because mm. I just like the scent of that. And you could do the same thing with essential oils. And again, it will take it a little while to dry, but it's only once a year. Mm. And so do you, I was always worried that w even with olive oil or nut oils that they turn rancid when you apply them. Um, are you saying that the moment they hit the wood, their, their natural ability to get rancid actually is, is taken away? Well, what's going to happen is the wood is going to absorb the oils right into the grain. And uh -huh. so that won't go rancid once it's inside the wood. And then anything extra on top, you're really buffing away until it's dry. So there's not a layer of oil left to mm. go rancid. Gotcha. Okay. It must smell so good, too. I got this um, aromatic memory of <laughs> walnut and vanilla oil on all of the wood and the leather surfaces in the house. Whew. We have not actually talked about the cleaner you're using for your drapes and the rods. Uh, can we go back to that just to cover that area as well? Sure, certainly. When I clean off the, the blinds and the window rods, I just use a uh, an everyday spray bottle cleaner, um, which would have, much like the, um, the window cleaner we talked about before, it would have a little bit of water in it about, if you're using a large spray bottle, maybe fill it halfway with water and then put in about a cup of vinegar, plain white vinegar in it, um, and a few drops of soap and just shake that to mix it before you use it and spray it right on and wipe it off. And if you're, not, if you're only using a few drops of like liquid Castile soap, um, you don't need to rinse. It will, it will just evaporate away. Oh, great. Okay, wow, wonderful. Um, that's the first good step. Windows, window drapings, and wood furniture. We are speaking uh, in this hour of spring cleaning with a wonderful returning guest, Amy Kolb Noyes. Uh, you can look up her background. She's an author and really an expert on non-toxic house cleaning who wrote the book Non-Toxic House Cleaning, literally. That's Amy Kolb Noyes, Amy, A-M-Y-K-O-L-B-N-O-Y-E-S dot com, who's joining us today from Lake Elmo in Vermont, still snow covered, but spring cleaning in Vermont, I heard, starts in November. <laughs> Amy, stay with us. We want to hear so much more about the rest of the rooms, uh, including bathrooms and kitchens. All that needs to be deep cleaned at least once a year, and this may be the time for you coming up soon. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be right back with more. Stay tuned. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. 
At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we are speaking with Amy Kolb Neues, non-toxic house cleaning expert who's joining us today from Lake Elmore in snow-covered Vermont. In this hour of natural spring cleaning, planning for a healthy year at home here on an organic conversation. Amy, are you still with us? I still am. Great. <laughs> so we just talked about windows. We talked about some of the major furniture in your living room, probably. There are lots of other areas of the house to take on. Where do you go next? Well, the kitchen is always a big one, and um, I love to have a fresh, clean kitchen. So that would probably be my next stop. And, and one thing that I tend to only do once or twice a year is clean that oven. That's where I would go next. And how do you do that sounds like a that sounds like a really difficult job. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Well, there's a few there's a few tips along the way that if you can, you know, like anything, keep up on, on it throughout the year, it makes that one big clean a lot easier. And the way that I do that is I try to if I get a drip on the bottom of the oven, I try to clean it right away while the oven's still even a little bit warm. Um, I'll sprinkle a little bit of coarse um, like kosher salt on mm. a stain and then just use a wet sponge and wipe it right up and that helps keep the oven clean throughout the year not so clean that I don't need to clean it in the spring too <laughs> but, <laughs> but it helps but then when that you know when it's time to do that big cleaning I turn to baking soda and vinegar which I turn to all over the house honestly um, but it works so so well in the oven and you don't need to use a lot I just take a the box of baking soda or, or I buy it in a great big bag so I take a measuring cup and just sprinkle it on the bottom of the oven and then I put straight white vinegar in a spray bottle and spray that on to the baking soda and it causes that you know bubbly scrubbing bubble reaction mm-hmm. and I let that sit um, maybe even overnight, and then I come up and I and I wipe it off in the morning. And that time really helps to loosen everything up. And I have a tip too for doing the top of the oven. Ooh. If you uh, if you take a hand mirror and place it in the bottom of the oven, it really helps you see better when you're cleaning the top of the oven. That's a great tip. Do Isn't you? That I, th- great? I thought you would say ask your husband. <laughs> to do. That's an even better tip. <laughs> when you when you scrub out the bottom of the oven, do you do you need to use a scrub brush, or after letting it, this mixture of baking soda and vinegar sit, can you just wipe it out with a cloth? I just wipe it out with a cloth wow. or a sponge, and if it's if it's really sticking, um, you can go to something more abrasive like a, a scrubby sponge or a scrub brush, or you can just apply the treatment again put a little more baking soda, a little more vinegar on, and maybe try it while it's while it's bubbling and not let it sit uh-huh. as long. Sure. And, and you don't want to, you know, scratch the enamel of the oven inside, um, right. which can be a little bit sensitive. I have a question. I used baking soda in my cleaning before, and I must have uh, done something not right. When the uh, the stuff I applied dried, there was this little film of baking soda, and it almost didn't matter what I was doing. I could not get rid of it. It was like there was still a baking soda residue on the surface. It took me, you know, really a lot of water and diluting and wiping and wiping and wiping until I could run my fingers over it and it was completely clean. What did I do wrong? You probably just used too much baking soda and um, and maybe didn't rinse it thoroughly to begin with. And that is such a common problem. People think more is better, right? If you yes. have a really bad stain, you, you put more cleaner on to get it out. And that's not necessarily the case with a lot of these dry powders, these minerals we use in non-toxic cleaning. A little goes a long way and maybe you just need more time or a little more elbow grease to, I, I do need um, more time. to apply to the process. <laughs> but yes, it definitely needs to be rinsed, as does borax 
and, and the other sort of powdery minerals gotcha. that we use in cleaning. Okay, and then the, the oven has a self-cleaning mode where it's usually two hours, 500 or degrees or something, or six hours. And then supposedly you turn it, you, you open it and it's sparkling clean. It yeah. doesn't really work, but have you, do, is there anything you, you do where you use that or just does that just not work the way you want to and it takes too much energy any, anyway? Or is there a material that you could apply and then you close the door and you let it do its thing for once a year for a few hours and it's that does it too? Yeah, I, I just don't use that feature of my oven. I find that if I use the salt trick and, um, and get the little stains up as they happen, I don't really need 500 degrees to bake off. For six hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it smells so awful. It does. I know, it's, it's, not, it's just so not right. I just stay away from that. And it doesn't really work, honestly. I mean, it looks a little cleaner, but basically you're just burning all the impurities, and then you have the burned impurities there. They, they don't disintegrate. It's not 4,000 degrees. So <laughs> it's just all ashes and charcoal, and that's you know potentially cancer-causing for your future cooking. So I, I have used it once, and it did not satisfy me. So that's good to know that you stay away from that as well. So what else, what else do you do in the kitchen? Are there any other deep cleaning spots there? Sure. Cleaning out the refrigerator. Now, I, I admit I do that more than once a year, but that's a big one um, for me to really take everything out of the freezer, everything out of the refrigerator, you know, go through, look at the dates, throw stuff away if it needs to be thrown away, and then just really clean the whole refrigerator inside and out. And by mixing about a tablespoon of borax with four cups of warm water, you can really deodorize the fridge as well as cleaning it and um, just apply that with the sponge and, and rinse. Again, the borax really needs to be rinsed, but you can just use that uh, sponge in cold water to rinse that off. So moving away from the kitchen, the other two places that pop into my mind that probably need deep cleaning, and in one case, because it probably doesn't get cleaned very often, the bedroom and the bathroom. What are the, what are the unique spots there that, that frequently get overlooked? Let's see. The, the bathroom and the kitchen both. One of the biggest things that gets overlooked is drain maintenance. Mm. When was the last time you cleaned out your drains? <laughs> Mm. Right? Um, and drains can harbor a lot of germs, so um, so spring cleaning is the perfect time to get that job done. And here's how I do it: I open up the drain. Uh, I pour about a quarter to a half a cup of baking soda in the sink right over the drain. And then on top of that, I add an equal amount of plain white vinegar. Again, that vinegar baking soda combination. And I just let it sit for about a half an hour. And then I go back with a kettle of boiling water and mm -hmm. pour that in. And that flushes down any of the baking soda left in the sink. And that's it. And your, your drain is deodorized and you've killed the germs. And uh, it can also help to flush out any minor buildup that's in there. That I is so remarkable. I want to fly simple. you out here. Your question of when have you last cleaned your drains? You could have asked when have you first Ever? cleaned your drains? I have never cleaned drains. And honestly. I thought this was going to be like get a hanger or get like a round bottle brush and put it on yeah. a mechanism. Just I mean, like that's really simple. Get a it puppy. It is really put it simple. And and if you have a clog, a similar technique will work using um, coarse salt and baking soda and then flushing that down with the uh, with the boiling water it doesn't you know it doesn't uh, work like the heavily toxic things that you can buy in the supermarket you may have to do it more than once but it really works remarkably well for salted baking soda we're speaking with amy culp noyes non-toxic house cleaning expert in this hour of natural spring cleaning planning for a healthy year at home going through room by room this time of year to plan ahead for your weekend of spring cleaning here on An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Hilbert. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. Amy, the bathroom and the kitchen perhaps too. I heard the kitchen sink is actually often overlooked and really dirty when it comes to germs and, mm. and other things. What is harsh enough and yet still considered non-toxic and, and totally natural that you use to um, you know, clean the toilet bowl and, and any areas that really need bacterial attention, so to say? Well, I turn to borax most of the time when it comes to anything porcelain. So a porcelain sink or the toilet, it really, it sounds 
like a cliche, but it makes porcelain sparkle. It really mm. does. And it's, you know, a mineral straight from the ground. And it's not, uh, it, it has simple ingredients and works very, very well. No so. synthetic chemicals, of course, in it. That's great. And the, the other big area in the bedroom, Sita, that you were asking, mattress. Can Do you have a, a tried and true idea for what to do with your mattress? Because that's usually something we, sh we, we, you know, we wash the sheets, obviously, and maybe even the blankets and maybe even the mattress cover, but the mattress itself, is there something that you do that you recommend that people do? There are a few things. Um, I keep a uh, a cover on my mattress, one of the covers designed to keep out dust mites, and so that can be taken off and washed. And then while everything is off of the mattress, I just like to let it, you know, have a day to sit and air out with the windows open in the room, maybe run a fan from the window so that it really gets mm -hmm. aired out, and then I'll flip the mattress and do the same thing on the other side. And then if there are odors in the mattress, you can actually sprinkle a little borax right on the mattress and then um, rub it into problem areas And if there's a stain and then just vacuum it clean with a regular hand vacuum or you know, a, a vacuum with a, a tube extension. Do you use the sun as well? I heard sunlight, you know, if you put your pillows into the sun for th for three hours or so, both sides, that really kills bacteria and, and the sunlight has a, a natural ability to to bleach a little and make things fresher. Um, is that something you use or is that not really that effective? Oh, absolutely. I use the sun as much as possible. I have <laughs> extensive clotheslines in my backyard, and I, and I use them to the fullest. And sometimes I'll use a little lemon juice in a spray bottle. If I'm trying to bleach something, I'll spray it with lemon juice and hang it in the sun. So white curtains or um, anything else that I, uh, I want to sort of naturally get brighter again. I'll add a little lemon juice and sunshine, and that helps a lot. And Sita, don't you usually use lavender for almost anything, which is also antibacterial? Oh, yeah, I like to use lavender oil. I mix it with various products because of its antibacterial pro properties. So lemon or lavender, do you use lavender as well, Amy? I love lavender. Lavender is one of my favorite scents. Yes, absolutely. And it, and it does have some great properties that really lend themselves well to cleaning. So I'm sure there are so <laughs> many more things to go to. One, I think that you need to write a spring cleaning focused version of your non-toxic house cleaning <laughs> book, which we have and we love and have learned so many more tips here. Is there something else that you think is just really critically important and, and very, very often not thought to do during spring cleaning time in any of the rooms of the house or oh. outside the house? I would love to circle back around to um, to a leather cleaner. I brought that up, but I didn't tell you exactly how to do it. And like I said with the wood, leather really needs to be nourished just the same as wood does. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned I did a two-step cleaning and nourishing process for the wood. I do the same thing for the leather, but to clean leather, it's just lemon juice, as we mentioned Really? A few moments ago. And sometimes you can squeeze it onto a cloth, or sometimes I just cut the lemon in half, pick out the obvious seeds, and rub that half a lemon right onto the leather. It's not and too acidic? It doesn't, it doesn't damage the leather? It doesn't. And, you know, you can. Uh, I have never had it damage any leather. Leathers are dyed, and as we said before, le uh, lemon juice can be a bleaching agent. Mm -hmm. So if I had maybe a black leather sofa in the sunshine, I might try it in an inconvenient conspicuous spot first, mm -hmm. but as I said, I've never had a problem with discoloration to date. And then I oil the, the leather just like I would oil the wood, only I don't tend to use nut oils. I, I use just plain olive oil on uh, leather furniture, and then I scent that with an essential oil, maybe a lemon or orange or grapefruit, something citrusy. And uh, I put those together in a mason jar, shake them up, and then just dab a rag in and rub them on. And then I take a dry, absorbent rag, like maybe a cloth diaper, and buff the leather mm. out. Again, you want to not sit on it until it's absolutely dry. 
but that is so good for your leather. Wow, you don't do home visits, do you? <laughs> <laughs> I might be persuaded to visit. Okay. <laughs> Amy, you we'll are so brilliant. Every time you come on the show, I just feel like I've been given the handbook to be a domestic goddess. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, thank you, Sita. <laughs> it's just so applicable, really. Uh, you know, I don't want to get into the gender thing of who does more cleaning, but and nowadays, if you have your own home, even as a male, doing that really once a year, deep spring cleaning is essential and you make it so easy and so fun and apt. I feel fresher already just, just listening it. to you <laughs> after an hour. So thank you, Amy. Uh, great to have you back. And again, that's Amy Kulp Neues, amykulpneues.com, who joined us today from Lake Elmore, Vermont, with her amazing knowledge on non-toxic house cleaning. And she actually wrote the book about that as well, Non-Toxic House Cleaning. Check it out. Thank you, Amy. We'll, we'll have you back, I'm sure. I'm sure for we will. For another season we can pick. <laughs> <laughs> Great I'm to have you. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you. Thanks Take for your care time, Amy. Have fun spring cleaning. Uh, and you as well. <laughs> Thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs> it really, it's so simple. When you hear her talk about it, you're like, you can just cut a lemon in half and rub it on your leather. It's like, it's, it takes going more time to go to the store products. and buy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> and the money, I mean, and the effort, and you don't really know. And wow, she does it with like four or five ingredients, one of which is a cut lemon. Yeah, right. That's like, wow. <laughs> just Our associate producer, Kristen, has been like typing furiously to capture all of these tips because we, everybody's going to be asking, like, do you have a transcription of all of these? I think we what need to... What a great plug. So anorganicconversation.com and of course also facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. Please become a fan if you're not already and where you can find all the amazing tips and more information on this show and many other shows facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation or an organic conversation.com i'm helga helberg and i'm stita rani palomar and what is coming up here is perhaps the internal spring cleaning with some yummy yummy vegetables what's next is the update from the world of produce what's in season Yes, it's that time of the hour. What's in season with Earl Herrick, the voice of the San Francisco produce market, who actually stopped by today here in the studio. Hey, My, Earl. Yeah, I'm sitting right here. <laughs> I'm sitting right here. That's a, such a great treat. There's a, a person, a face to the voice. <laughs> it's actually fun, too, to have him on the mic because you have such a nice bass voice, which, you mm. I mean, you don't get the full resonant <laughs> effect of it when you adding a lot of bass in. here on the <laughs> <laughs> microphone. Yeah, the, no, these phones two, are too no, tenor phones, anyway, right? Yeah, to, totally. <laughs> too totally too tenor. <laughs> so what's in season this week? We talked about... Blueberries last week. Yeah, last week, blueberries. Some things coming in slowly. It's a weird year, which Mm -hmm. um, for some is really hard and for for other produce areas kind of, or fruit areas particularly, boosts early production Mm -hmm. to some degree. What's happening right now? Mid-end February... Yeah, well, that is so true. How uh, you know one guy's uh, damage is somebody else's yeah. blessing, right? Mm. In in the uh, in the veg world, we're still down in in the desert in in northern Mexico, and uh, I hope you're all seeing what we're seeing in California, and that is better pricing, better quality, because that frost that happened back in December, there, there's still some residue uh, on the damage, uh, blistering on some of the lettuce, on some of the greens, mm-hmm. but mostly uh, we're seeing prices about fifty percent down wow. from what they were a month ago because what happens you know that mm. freeze knocks out not only that current planting but it it uh, delays uh, uh, the next uh, harvest the next harvest and sometimes even even the next planting you got to wait uh-huh. so what we're doing now we're seeing an acceleration as it, as it heats up plantings come on congruently even on top of each other uh-huh. so supply side is high Back up. demands remains the same and bingo the prices go down that's great and news the, and the quality is pretty good there's a little bit of uh Rib damage on the lettuce. What's also nice, though, is uh, in California and some other regions, there's still some local stuff. We're talking greens, the hardy winter greens like chards and kales and parsley. And so they're still around, and they grow slow because it's colder weather up north, but you get some really robust, vibrant product. Do they make that? Do they make it through the United States, or is that more like a West Coast-ish phenomenon of local year-round production if the weather plays with it where that 
that supply basically gets gobbled up by mm-hmm. the West Coast eaters. There is local production throughout. It depends. If you're by a water area, whether it's a river or the coast, you're going to get a little milder weather. You're going to be able to grow some of those greens. Uh, more of interior stuff, you're probably going to winter over some, some uh, cabbages, maybe some carrots. But can you find... California produce in Vermont right now, for example? Uh, absolutely. As a matter oh, of fact, that's, you're going to find the majority of desert or Mexican uh, produce. Now, you'll also see a high-quality uh, summer vegetables coming out of hoop houses in, in Mexico. That was unaffected by the freeze. And what's that? That's like um, tomatoes, zucchini, mm-hmm. squa- win- um, summer squashes, mm-hmm. and bell, and bell, bell peppers. peppers. Uh-huh. Right, and cucumbers. Ah. So that product is real steady. Uh, pricing is real normal, you know, relatively. And the quality is quite high. The uh, what, I'm going to put a little plug in for a label called Vili. It's what we feel is one of the better uh, uh, Mexican growers, and he does an outstanding job for decades now. Family Farm, actually. We met them. That's right. At Eco Farm. Iris and... Alex, right? Alex, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, great, great, great stuff. So it is a tweener time always, this time of year. However good or not so good it is season-wise or weather-wise, something's still out of storage, apples, pears. There are some new fresh vegetables though that that are coming on, and you were yeah. talking about asparagus before yeah. when you walked in. Yeah, right here. <laughs> yeah. What's the, going on with asparagus? So the Mexican asparagus has been around two or three weeks, and now we're about a week away from the California product out of the Salinas Valley, and that will that's a, makes a really really wonderful run from through March. Huge oh, area, right? Huge asparagus and area. And, and prolific growing, yeah. and the <laughs> soil is so outstanding. Uh, so rich, you drive through that valley and it's dark, brown, wonderful. And, that, and that's going to run uh, all the way uh, into July. So we get to From experience. From now on into July. Yeah. So fresh, so fresh asparagus. I don't even start thinking. It's not even on any of my recipes or any of my radars until about April. Yeah, and I Easter. can't believe we're getting it yeah. early. That's so. You know, when when the asparagus comes in, it's just like toss it with some salt and olive oil. Put it in the oven until yeah, those tips get crispy. Done. And just forget <laughs> about potato chips because that is so delicious. Yeah, yeah, those crispy t- spears. Yes. Very nice, very nice. Yep. Great. You had one other item that is really Thank you. kind of starting to hum. Yeah, and that's the avocados. A couple mm-hmm. weeks ago, I was down in uh, Southern California and walking through the orchards. So what we have is, again, a uh, lap over of Mexico and California. The Mexican is winding down, and California is coming on strong. So either way, you can't lose. Mexican's going to ripen a little quicker, but the California will only take another day or two. So if you're really interested in buying local and you're Californian, bingo, you're right in their sweet spot again for another six months. Avocados. Nice. Haas. Haas so, avocados. Since we are always trying to help people save money, we had a great show today on natural spring cleaning with non-toxic, mm. you know, completely natural and f- absolutely inexpensive ingredients. For people to buy produce right now and not lose it, the, the general idea is keep it in the fridge because much is being cooled and you want to keep it cool because it breaks down a little bit quicker. Mm-hmm. With fresh asparagus, if you can find California-grown asparagus throughout the country, when we talked about asparagus a, a, a year ago or two years ago, you cut the bottom and put them in a, in a in some mm-hmm. kind of water bath at mm-hmm. least for half an inch. Is mm-hmm. that is that kind of the best idea? It really is, and you can naturally do it by just bending this this spear toward the end, and it naturally will break off. Oh, in that you area, cut it. yeah, you don't have to cut it. Just like it snaps right off, and if it doesn't snap, it's not fresh. So it's going to snap right off. Put that in just a little bit of water, a half inch or so. Warm water first to let it warm water's s- good soak in. And yeah, the molecules are a little more. Uh, available. This warm water tip is something that we should talk about, actually, because Earl, you have said this with lettuces before. This is one of your super secret, (laughs) top secret special tips for the crispiest lettuce. Stealth. Okay, only here on Anagana Conversation. (laughs) What's the difference between warm water and cold water baths? Wow. How do you do do it? All I know, well, first of all, it's something about the warm water, the molecules are more active or something. Somehow the cells of the the vegetable, it receives it more. Uh, and, it's, and it's tepid water. It's not real hot. You first give it a dunk. If it's lettuce or chards, you want to totally submerge it, uh, shake it off, and let it, uh, I would spin it if, if it's uh-huh. lettuce, and then I would just then just store it in a sealed container without any paper or anything, and it'll stay that way for several days. And you really? still, and you get, so it's really great if you do it for a salad, you're going to eat in, in a half hour. Crisp your lettuce, then put it in the refrigerator, take it out, and you got some, bing, 
really it almost, still makes a difference. Half an hour before, warm oh, water bath oh, a little bit. Absolutely. You will you, uh, next time you're and over. not sitting it in there for <laughs> 15 minutes, just washing it with yeah, warmer can, water. You can let it. What I do, I let it sit, and then I'll go do uh-huh. something, make a phone call, come back, uh, spin it, done. Put it in the refrigerator. And like you I don't said, shock it. it with ice water to to nope. close that cell membrane again. No. no, you don't need to. No, you spin the wa- excess water off, put it in the refrigerator, sealed, and then when you get uh, ready for your salad, yeah. How about so how about avocados? Since they are kind of semi-tropical-ish beha- mm-hmm. behavior, yeah. Do you keep them on the counter or on the fridge right now? Yeah, depending on how many you buy, uh, they like 45, 50 degree temperature. So that's a warm part of the refrigerator or a cool part of your of your kitchen or your, or a cellar, whatever. But if you're going to eat them in the next day or two and you, and you have just what you want, leave them out, wait till they get uh, ripe, which would be going to be anywhere depending upon the condition on the retail rack, a day or two or three. And again, if you know it's domestic avocado, it's grown in California, you get a couple more days if you know it's coming from overseas with anything, really. If you see grown in wherever that may be, Mexico Mm -hmm. or beyond, Mm -hmm. that has been in some kind of transportation mode. So you want to keep that in the fridge and pull it out an hour before you eat it. But don't keep it on the counter. It breaks down too quickly, right? You can't even follow up. Absolutely. And uh, and then there's a good idea about prompting you to shop more frequently mm-hmm. is if it's if it's imported, you want to use it right away. If it's domestic, you got a couple more days. Cool. Thank All you. All the best tips it's right Earl here. Earl Herrick of Earl's <laughs> Organic Produce. Thanks for and stopping by. Check out their weekly updates on Facebook. It's um, yeah. facebook.com forward slash Earl's Organic Produce. produce. And amazing seasonal, really almost day-by-day tips of what's hitting the market, what to do with it, uh, how to eat it, how to store it. Really beautiful photography. Because yes, and, the, uh, and we've been having some pretty good blogs on on the avocado because the season's coming in. So check the website out for that. Yeah, cool. Avocado Otherwise, blogs. EarlsOrganic.com. People of course. all over the country go to EarlsOrganic.com to learn about people in the produce industry from Michigan. Go to EarlsOrganic.com to learn about what's happening and better on, educate on other there. planets. <laughs> people yes, on great. Mars. Thanks go for to stopping by. It's, uh, it's, well, it's great to be here. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, you, Earl. Earl. And that was a slam-packed hour of an organic conversation. So fun, fun always. Thank you for listening and thank you for supporting us. Thank you for visiting our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash an organic conversation to help us keep making great radio for you. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helber and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.